Welcome to Chicagoland Parenting Stories. I am your host, Lisa Zimmerman. Let's get started with today's parenting story. Welcome back to Chicagoland Parenting Stories. Today I'm with Rebecca Carney. Rebecca Carney is the owner of Supported Serenity Doula Care. She is a birth and postpartum doula. We are recording today on June 27th, and this is episode eight. Welcome, Rebecca. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself and your children? Sure. Yep. I'm Rebecca. I live in Hoffman Estates area. I have two kids. Ryan is four and then Everett is five, almost six um, this August. So coming up pretty quickly. So you still have the littles. Yeah. Still have the littles running around like crazy, but it's, it's actually a lot of fun. A lot of learning, a lot of um, questions being asked all the time. Just um, yeah learning for parents and learning for them. <laughs> it's a really fun age for sure. And it sounds like you're in the throes of a very busy week, huh? Yes. Yeah. We're in camp weeks, vacation Bible school and White Sox baseball camp. And they start half an hour from each other and they end half an hour from each other. So it's back and forth. And they're both like three hours each too. So it's just a lot of driving. It is, but it's so fun. And um, just to hear them talk about their stories when they get home and what they've learned and um Yesterday, my daughter came home and was like, shine your light on Jesus. And I was like, this is the best. You know, she's four and already <laughs> talking about it. So that's it was great. great. Yeah. <laughs> if you had to describe your parenting style, what would it be? Oh, this is a good question. I think I am a cross between, um, it's going to sound a little counterintuitive, but almost like strict, but also free range at the same time. Like we're very open to letting our kids kind of discover what's in the backyard or walk, I would say around the neighborhood or bike around, you know, the loop in our neighborhood. Um, but we set boundaries with, you know, limitations and we don't want them to go too far. If they ride their bike around the loop, we want them to check in the, every four loops that they do. Um, so I think it, you know, like we, we're pretty good at boundary setting, but also letting them discover things on their own and be out outside on their own. Like we're not, constantly out there with them because they want them to, to learn and discover new things together. That sounds great. Without disclosing your age, which generation are you a part of? Millennials. Okay. And how would you describe how you were parented? Oh, you know, my parent, my parents, uh, parented me very differently. Um, for one, I'm from a family of divorce. So I had kind of two different parenting styles in general. And, um, and there was a lot of back and forth, uh, when I was younger. And then as I got a little bit older, we lived in one home primarily. Um, so it's hard to say exactly because there was so many, like, um, so many people that were in they're kind of parenting at the same time. So I, I don't know that I could put a necessarily like one specific type of parenting style. Um, my parents were very encouraging of us to learn, to find things that we were interested in and support us, um, especially as we became teens, uh, being able to figure out what we liked and um, encouraged us as much as they could to do the things that we enjoyed, which was great. That sounds really good. So do you think that you're very similar or very different or kind of in between? From what my parents did? Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's probably, 
I think there's, I think as being a parent, you get to do, you get to make that choice, right? You take the things that you love and then you leave the things that you didn't. And uh, I think it's always a learning curve as a parent. You're like, sometimes I think the things that my parents did, oh, I would never do that again. But then you get into the your own situation with your own kids and all of a sudden you're like, hmm, yep, I understand why they did that. <laughs> now I need to implement those things too. Um, so I think that there's some similarities and some differences. Um, it's probably about half and half if I had to, you know, put a number on it, but it, identifying those things specifically may be a little bit challenging for me. It's amazing how much we sound like our own parents. Like there's times I catch myself saying the exact same thing that I hated to hear. Like, well, I'll tell you when you're older. And it's like, well, truly, I really can't tell you right now, but I will talk to you about this later. Yeah. And, but yeah, I remember being a kid and being like, what do you mean? Tell me when I'm older. What does that mean? Yeah. It's, it's so wild how even when my kids were babies, I got into this space and I, I was like, oh my goodness, I get it. Because my actually my youngest sister and I are 19 years apart. So I grew up with babies in the house and my other youngest sister is 16 years apart. My parents are remarried. And um, I just didn't understand it, even living in a house with babies until I had my own. And then I understood and was able to put myself in those shoes. And uh, there were so many things that just made a whole lot more sense once the baby came around. And I I think it, you know, I, I talk about this a lot with especially first time parents when if you've ever gone to a wedding and you especially one that people have planned and put a lot of effort into and um, you go to it and you give them most people give a gift of some amount of money um, or something and then you plan your own wedding and you realize that the gift you've been giving was substantially too less than like what it should have been <laughs> does that make sense and then the same yeah. thing happens as you're like you're a brand new parent and you're like oh my gosh I didn't help my friends enough or I didn't help and so I, I feel like once you're in that you know, scenario, all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, I get it. And I, I should have stepped up, but now I'm going to step up for everybody else that's come in front of me or after me type of thing. For sure. Yeah. I always joke around with people that it's like, see, now we can learn how to forgive our parents for all their wrongs. Cause we realize <laughs> yes. they're just flying by the seat of their pants too. Exactly. <laughs> There uh, for are those no that, right or wrong answers. <laughs> exactly. For those that don't understand what a doula is, can you just explain how you help new families? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I do both birth and postpartum work, primarily birth work. And then I um, will supplement with postpartum work. Birth work for me is supporting families uh, that are looking for support in their prenatal care. We typically meet at least twice, if not more, depending on what the family is seeking and craving. We talk about birth plans. We talk about postpartum planning. We talk about um, getting into a good headspace for your birth and how to talk to your provider. If you have questions, how to guide that. I'm very evidence-based in the way I practice. I'm giving a lot of people evidence-based information to have good conversations that feel good for them. Um, and then I support them continuously through their active labor period. Um, I meet them wherever they want to be laboring at. Sometimes uh, people labor at home. Sometimes they are having their babies at the birth center or at um, a hospital. And so a lot of my clients are seeking unmedicated birth. So I wind up meeting them at home and then we transfer over to either a birth center or a hospital, or they stay at home if they're having a home birth. And then I do a postpartum visit with all of my clients too. For postpartum care, 
Um, I come and help families with that adjustment period right after the baby's been born, helping with newborn care questions, um, like common lactation support. And sometimes it's helping with meals or doing laundry or um, helping families get rest because rest is the biggest adjustment. I feel like especially new parents, but even second, third, fourth time parents um, understand that the rest is so crucial to the the rest of the postpartum healing. So really helping with that piece of um, healing and, um, you know, transition into the next season of life. It gets extremely hard to lose sleep once you've gotten it back. So even if you've done this a couple of times and you know how bad it's going to be, but you forget how your body's going to feel. Well, and then you're chasing around your older children too at the same time, and they take a lot less naps than a newborn does. (laughs) Right, right. So you got to get it when you can. What is your favorite thing about the work that you do? I love seeing families find power in themselves, whether that's, um, you know, power to have a conversation that they may not have felt comfortable having previously or power in a birth experience or power in their postpartum support too. There's just so much, um, that can feel like we're being, uh, like things are happening to us in those situations. And so to be a doula that can help support families have, um, have birth experiences or have postpartum experiences that make them feel a sense of growth, a sense of happiness, a sense of, um, being proud of themselves at the, you know, once they look back on that experience that for me, feels really good. That feels really successful. Um, and sometimes it's the partners that are feeling that, or sometimes, you know, and then sometimes it's the birthers. And so being able to really work with a couple and support them where they're at and what they need, that part is, that part is really great. What is the biggest challenge with the work that you do then? Mm, I think the biggest challenge for the work that I do can be, well, there's two things. I think on a personal level, being on call can be challenging because you just, you're living this life of at any point you can get a phone call and be called to a birth, which is the part that I love. But then it's also the part that's a little bit more challenging. And I wasn't a doula my whole life. I was an engineer for 10 years before becoming a doula. And when I was an engineer, it's pretty set hours, a little bit of flexibility, but you know, when you're expected to be in work. And so this is a little bit different than that. I'm fortunate that my partner has been really supportive and he just absolutely is like, okay, you're going to a birth. I got it. You know, I'll take care of stuff at home and you go do the things, but, um, but it can be challenging, especially when, you know, potentially holidays are coming up or birthdays or, you know, special events that you don't want to miss. Um, and then I think in the birth scenario, the biggest challenge I find is when families are facing providers that aren't supportive of the plan that they're hoping to have and how to navigate those conversations or, um, you know, the information that they're receiving and whether or not some providers, unfortunately, um, you know, are using the language that they use um, in almost like a fear tactic and into, you know, getting clients to do things that make it easier for them. And that, is great that that they want things to be good for them, but it's not great for the client. They should be the one in power. They should be the one that are able to 
um, lead their birth experience the best that they want. And so that's the most challenging is when you get to the 11th hour, you're in the hospital. And I've even had a client switch providers in her labor because she felt that her, um, that her OB wasn't supporting her birth experience. And, and that's amazing for her, but it, it is a really challenging and emotional time to be navigating those conversations. That sounds like quite the burden too for the client. I mean, you're already trying to give birth. That's hard enough. <laughs> you're pushing right. a human out of your body. I mean, like, right. to feel, you know, I just feel like that's, it actually makes me a little bit sad because it makes me wonder if, um, it, you know, if it's something because it is a female and they're talking down to her because of that, or if it's because they're just in a vulnerable position, you know, there's obviously a, a, mon- a bunch of different factors, but I just find that really disappointing. And that's just a horrible way to start parenting. You know, I feel like sometimes some of the stories that I hear postpartum, I just like shake my head and just say, oh God, like what a horrible way to start being a parent, you know, because parenting's hard enough without, you know, coming into it with just a ton of things that are trying to bust your confidence when you already aren't going to have confidence because you clearly have never done this before. Right. Yeah. I tell people all the time, I think that we can have a plan and I even call it like birth prep, um, you know, or having birth preferences, but not necessarily having a plan because we don't know how it's going to go. We can have an idea, but it's okay to pivot. It's okay to change. And in those moments when we have to pivot and change, if you feel like you've made that decision and it's not happening to you, even if it wasn't what you had in your mind, even if it wasn't the plan, hopefully you're going to leave your birth experience still feeling positive about that experience. If it's something that's happening to you and you have no say, that's when I feel a lot of folks who um, either hire me for their second births or, um, you know, potentially for a VBAC or something, say that that's what the trauma, the trauma that they have. And then as their doula, we're working through that prenatally so they don't bring that into their second birth experience too. So trying to avoid it as much as possible. Right. Yeah. Postpartum. I'm always like, if you, you know, if it's like a, like a record is skipping and you're worried about your birth, like, please just like, let's get you set up with a therapist. Let's talk about it now, because I don't want you to bring this into the next scenario. Like, let's just have this all dealt with because even with lactation, like a failure of whatever happened the first time, all that gets brought into the second time. So now by the time I'm in the home, I'm actually dealing with two different scenarios that happened, Mm -hmm. you know, like the one that happened and then the one that people believe is going to happen again. Um, and that can be really tricky. You spoke of having a former life as an, in another career. Did you work with a doula during your own birth? And that's how you got into the work. Um, that's a good question. Yes. I had a doula for both of our births. Um, and I would, I, it's not quite how I got into the work. I didn't know anything about, labor or birth or anything. Um, a lot of folks in my family have had C-sections that, um, so I, I just wasn't exposed to natural birth or physiological birth. And when I, I'm an information grabber is what I like to call myself by nature. So when we got pregnant, we decided to start a family. I started to just like, like I just dove head deep into as much birth information as I could get. I was reading all the books. I was, um, listening to a million birth stories. I found birth story podcasts that were done in like the early two thousands. Um, and now there's some really great, um, podcasts out there, but I was just constantly listening on my drives on my walks all the time. Um, and after my oldest was born, I was still listening to birth stories and still reading these books about pregnancy. And my husband was like, 
you know, Rebecca, like we're past this. So we're in the parenting stage. Let's get to this part of it. And I said, I don't know. I just think there's something here. I never knew anything about this. And I just, I feel like I'm meant to be some in the birth space. I don't know what that means yet. And so eventually, um, I figured it out and I had attended at birth before becoming certified as a doula and was like, oh my gosh, this is it. And trying to set the, um, like set the way of, um, leaving my engineering job and becoming a doula, but it is a big, um, 180. A lot of people ask me that question. So thanks for asking it. <laughs> well, and I feel like, I mean, as somebody who's had multiple careers herself, you bring so much from your other careers into what you do and it just makes you a more well-rounded provider. You know, like you have an engineering brain, which probably works really well with certain clients of yours that are yeah. very, you know, type A analytical, like that, that's going to be very comforting for them. Mm -hmm. So even though it seems like they're two totally different things, you know, there's a lot of things that you bring into it, which is really nice. Did yeah. you always want to be a parent? No. I didn't always want to be a parent. There was a season of life, especially when my sisters were really young that I was like, Oh, I totally want to be a parent. And then there was a season of life after college when I was traveling and we were doing all sorts of things. And I was still dating my now husband at the time. And I said, I just don't know. And even when we got engaged, I said, I just don't know if I, I do want to be a parent because there's so much in the world out there that I hadn't explored. And I was worried that if I had kids, I wouldn't be able to do that anymore. Um, and then eventually we had a lot of conversations and decided, decided to start our family. And, um, now we're having conversations about where in the world are we going to take our kids next, which is so fun. And just like a really great perspective to have and be able to bring them and experience different, you know, different things together. Um, that's been really special as, especially as they're getting a little bit older, that feels, um, really awesome. Yeah, I agree. Even if they don't remember it, like all the memories about the time are really nice. I mean, in the throes of it, it's like, oh, we're going to miss nap time. And oh, we're so far off our schedule. And what is he going to eat? And you know, all that stuff. But then it's like, having said like, yeah, but we did it. Like we, we did this thing together. And you know what, we might go back there again, because mm -hmm. that was really nice. Like when you're older, um, at what age of your child, do you think that you really start parenting your child? You know, um, I had a friend once that before I had kids and I had asked him like, what is parenting like? And, and what is, you know, what do you experience? And he is like, I think the first year is really just keeping them alive, keeping them safe, keeping them fed, keeping them changed, keeping them clean. And then after that is when the parenting begins. And I have really connected with that piece. Um, so I would say like after year one, once they're toddling around and all of a sudden you have to protect them from, you know, kind of setting maybe some boundaries in your house of where they can and can't go or moving things like moving the containers that were in the lower levels or the knives that were in the lower levels of your kitchen up higher. So that way they're not getting into it, but that's all part of parenting in my mind is being able to kind of start setting boundaries and then also um, letting them explore on their own too. So in our house, like we, we took all of our plastic containers and put them in a low drawer. So if our kids opened up those drawers, they could take them out and bang on them and play with them. And it wasn't a big deal versus what we had there before. I think that that's really true. It's funny. I make jokes a lot where I'll say like, okay, so around six months, you know, I'm looking around here and that bar cart, that's going to have to go, but it's not going to be gone forever. But 
probably a few years. So just be prepared. And you can tell the shock on their face of like, oh, and I'm just like, well, just around six months, like before they're crawling, you know, get on the floor, do the Vietnam crawl, get around, see everything at their level and figure out, you know, like, what are they going to get into? And then it also depends on the personality of your child too. Like there are some children who are into everything and some children who truly aren't. And so it's just, but you don't really know until you're there, unfortunately. Do you have to parent each of your children differently? And if so, how? 100%. And that's the hardest part for me about parenting. And it's also the part of me that I feel like has turned me into a more appreciation of being a parent. Um, My son is way, very similar to my husband and I, like we see personality wise, like very type A, listening to the rules, like um, we'll clean up right after he's done playing with his toys. And my daughter is... um, you can just tell she thinks with a different part of her brain. She's, um, she's left-handed, like we're all, you know, so she's already using different parts of her brain. She's way more creative. Um, she's a little bit more messy, but she also responds differently to, um, you know, when we tell her not to do something, she may kind of like laugh at it and then still try to do it. Or, or she gets really upset very easily and will cry a lot. And so, um, yeah, the, the, parenting two different children, two different ways. And then sometimes having my oldest, my, my son ask like, well, how come she got to do it this way, but I have to do it that way. And it's like, because I know that this is what's best for you. And I know that's what's best for her. And this is the way that we're going to do it. Um, but that's not always the easiest for them to, to hear. And so sometimes then we have to go even in depth a little bit more on like what the why why are we doing that and I think both of my kids really appreciate the why so that I would say is similar um but sometimes when they're really upset about things um like my daughter definitely needs her space and my son wants to snuggle you know like there's just those differences that you that you start to learn about your kids and they have their own love languages too um which I find to be so fascinating but also really fun to explore that knowing like what my love language is and then learning about what theirs are too. So, huh. I never really thought about that in terms of kids, but wow, I'm going to think about that now. Cause I know the basis of that enough, just because obviously I'm, I'm married. Right. But <laughs> yeah. I never thought about it in terms of like the relationship I have with my child too. And mm-hmm. the, you know, doing things for others, if that, you know, falls into what he's trying to do as a love language. That's really interesting. Yeah. There's a whole book about it. And I hadn't really thought too much about it until we listened to my husband and I listened to like the seven love language book or the five love languages book. And then we, um, and then we started to think about like, what is our kids love languages? And we realized they are completely different from each other as my husband and I are fairly different too, but it's like, how do you interact with your kids and what they need? So, hmm. yeah. yeah, that's, that's good food for thought. It's a whole nother <laughs> podcast though. What right. is your most embarrassing parenting moment? Oh, most embarrassing pod- parenting moment is probably when my son was, gosh, I don't even know how old he was. Maybe he was two. Um, and we were at church and the church that we were going to at the time had this space, which was, it's so lovely. It's like, they call it a soft space, but it's right at the very front of the church. So the kids can still see what's happening on the altar. They're still, uh, but then they have soft toys to play with on like a carpeted area. Um, at first it was a little uneasy because you feel like everybody's staring at you, but we learned that our kids were actually getting more out of church when they were towards the front and they could see what was going on. than when we sit towards the back anyways, um, the Bishop came 
and he's in the middle of a sermon and my son starts inching his way closer and closer to the side of the pew and then all of a sudden just bolts down the center of the aisle at church <laughs> and I was like so embarrassed and like putting my head on my forehead one of us has to run down the center to try and get him but we're walking because we don't want to make a big scene um kind of like in the middle of his sermon he only visits like once every so many years And the nice part was at the end of the service, as we're walking out and saying, you know, hello and um, whatever, he's like, I thought that was so cute that your son just ran down the aisle. I'm so glad to see children in church. And he was just so welcoming, definitely made us feel a lot better about it. He's like, this isn't the first time, you know, it happens all the time. I was like, okay, thank heavens. But you feel this rush of embarrassment when you're like in the very front of the church and then your kid bolts down the center aisle. (laughs) And then everybody's watching you bolting after them, which is probably the worst part of it, right? Yeah. If you had friendships when your children were babies, how important are those friendships to you now? And do you still keep in touch? Friendships when your kids are babies, what a challenging time it is. I was one of the first to have kids. um, And to be honest, didn't have a lot of friends who also had babies at the time when, uh, And so I, I, from that season of life, I had a lot of friends who were close to me and and fortunate enough that they um, would come at lunchtime because they lived close or they worked close by, but never really had friends that also had babies at the same time. I will tell a really short story about how I made my first friend who also had babies at the same time. My kids were, my oldest was in daycare. I was pregnant with my second and I had met this family Um, this mom just at drop off and pick up who was also pregnant. And at the same time, like around like the week or two before that, my husband said, I met this really nice guy who his daughter is so-and-so. And And I said, oh my gosh, I met her mom the other day, but we didn't know their last name. And uh, we're trying to like find them on social media. Couldn't find them. Uh, So I wrote a note. I just wrote like a note card, wrote a note, said, hey, my name is Rebecca. It was really nice talking to you the other day. We would love to hang out. Um, here's my number. And that was it. And I, and I put it in the daughter's cubby in hopes that hopefully she would text me or respond. And I didn't hear anything for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And now knowing this friend, it's totally normal. This is like what I would expect from her. But um, at the time I was like, oh my gosh, I just embarrassed myself, like put myself out there never heard anything back, ran into her at pickup a few weeks later. And she was like, oh, I finally just got your note. I didn't see it. We would love to hang out this Saturday. And then we hung out and then our we had babies that are six weeks apart from each other. And um, we've been forever friends since then. And so during that postpartum season, we would take our babies and go get um, food together, like a lunch pretty weekly or breakfast weekly. And it was so nice to have somebody to connect with that was going through the same season of life. Yeah, that, that sounds really nice. It is really hard to mom date, which is what I call it. I mean, you truly <laughs> yeah. are. It's like, well, I'm just going to give you my number and see, and it's awkward. You know, I don't know anything about you. It's almost like I saw you on the train and here's my number. You know, the only thing we have in common is that we're both parents. Yeah. What do you see is the biggest trend in parenting right now? Hmm. That's a good question. I, I guess from a prenatal perspective, uh, I'm seeing a lot of people that are getting their information from social media. And I would think that some of that also goes into parenting. In fact, I do know it does from when I do my postpartum visits, but I think that that can be really tricky. We're not knowing whether or not the information that's on 
TikTok or Instagram is evidence-based. Um, a lot of it is opinion-based or now there's a, a ton of people that are doing things to to make money, right? On, especially on Instagram or TikTok where there might be an ad associated with it. If you click this link or you buy my product, then they get commission from it. Um, and so I think that part is really tricky and it seems to be really trendy right now in terms of how people are finding information or finding products that they're going to use for parenting. And do you think that that's because of the age of the people that are having babies right now and just the different way that different aged people connect with the internet, social media, all those types of things? Or do you feel like it's like the marketing just grabs them? I think it's the age. I really do. I mean, we're getting into a, a season of life where people... um have always had cell phones. Like I, when I was going through my, you know, my own birth experiences, I didn't have a cell phone for a, you know, a period of time. And I didn't even have a smartphone until I was, I don't even know, like somewhere in my mid twenties. And now kids are getting smartphones at such younger ages and they're um, on social media so much more often that I think it just becomes nature. Like that's just part of their life. That's how they're, you know, grabbing information. That's how they're, um, learning, which is, there are some really great places to learn on social media, but then there's a lot of, there's also some information out there that isn't so great. And so it's hard to navigate what is, uh, what's good information and what isn't. And you have to still be approaching everything that you're learning with, a almost like a, um, like a second guess or, you know, like that you just like, a approaching it with curiosity. Like, is this true? Where can I find this resource instead of just taking it for what it is? Yeah. And to piggyback on that, I feel like people don't like people struggle so much more with confidence maybe. And this is just in the limited time that I've been doing this work, but I just feel like I agree with you that the social media, it really, it makes it hard because they're like, well, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, I'm supposed to be sleeping this much. Well, I'm supposed to eat, play, sleep, you know, and like all these very like rigid fundamental things that go into parenting. And it, I just, I just think it's really like a hardship on them because they don't have a chance just to kind of like trust their own gut, you know? So I'll usually kind of make a joke with people where it's just like, well, you know, there's like four times, four types of parents. There's like the ones who have like good instincts and the ones that can like pick up a book and the ones who have both and the ones who have neither, you know? And I'm always like, and you Mm -hmm. definitely have both, you know, like, so just (laughs) trust yourself. Like you do have instincts. And if you don't know, then ask a real person, you know, cause I was always like, if I Google anything, it's going to tell me I have cancer, right? Well, for parenting, right. <laughs> everybody's going to tell me how you're going to kill your kid. Well, your baby's still alive, you know? So you're doing something right right now. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I always tell people if they are trying to find an answer for something and they feel like they're doctor Googling themselves, then just to stop and text me and I will send them evidence-based information that they can absorb and read through. And, the, and I also provide six weeks of six weeks of virtual postpartum support for the same reason, because there's so much that is happening in those first six weeks. I've gotten so many pictures of diaper rash or um, like, am I using this nose Frida correctly? Or do I need to use the nose Frida? This is what's going on. Or, you know, 
um, baby acne that's on the skin. And if you start to, if you start to look up baby acne, you're going to get a slew of like 15 different products that you should be putting on your baby. And the reality is it's just hormonal flux in your baby and it will go away on its own. Um, but we are getting marketed, um, that we should Mm -hmm. be doing all these things where most likely it's not necessary. And there's, you know, very little that you probably need to do besides just keeping the area clean and dry. (laughs) Just the basics. Yeah. What have your children taught you the most about being a parent? Hmm. This is a good one. I think to be humble, um, to not plan as much. I used to be a huge planner and expect that things were going to go a very specific way. And being a parent has definitely, um, let me, have grace in that and being able to have a plan, but let it flow how it's going to flow. So my kids can get the most out of the moment and I can too. Um, and I also wear a bracelet every day that says, be here now, just be present. And I think that so, so many times before I had my kids, I was always thinking ahead. So always thinking like, what's next? What are we going to do next? And I, I mean, of course, there's always an element of that, of being a parent is you do have to kind of think ahead um, and be prepared for what may happen, but there's so, so much happiness that comes when you can just be present with your kids and be present in the moment and what you're experiencing and sharing with others too, with your kids. It's very tricky, but it's also very true. Yeah. So for our final question, what is your biggest parenting advice to share with new parents or expecting parents? Hmm. I think this kind of goes back to what you were mentioning earlier, Lisa, but it's, it's really about trusting your instincts. Um, I think trusting your instincts and knowing when to ask for help are the two biggest pieces of advice. We live in a society where asking for help can be really hard and challenging unless you have a family and a circle that is really close and is just going to be there and offer it to you. But a lot of folks don't have that. A lot of folks um, are used to doing them things on their own. Maybe they live here and there's no family around and it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to ask our friends for things that we might need, whether that's even just like, Hey, can you drop off a meal? But I really don't need anybody in the house right now. Cause I'm still trying to figure out breastfeeding or, um, Hey, we just need to get some groceries, but it's been really hard to get out of the house when you're at you know, jewel next, can you grab X, Y, or Z and just put it on our doorstep? You know, it can be the little things and it's okay to ask for that. And nobody's going to think twice about it. They're going to be happy to help you. Um, but we get it in our heads that we have to do so much on our own. And that, that can be, if it can feel like a real mental and physical burden, if we don't allow others to, to help us. And that's where the instinct part goes in, right? Am I struggling? Do I need some extra help? And who can I ask? Right. Who are my people? Yeah, that's great. Well, we are out of time. Thank you for joining us for episode eight of Chicagoland Parenting Stories. And thank you to our guest, Rebecca Carney of Supported Serenity Doula Care. Thank you, Rebecca. Thanks, Lisa.